0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, take your Bibles out and turn to Judges, and we're going to be in chapter two, and uh, we're kind of going to talk about uh, what our ideal today is. We're going to have a baby dedication here in just a moment, so uh, we're going to talk about mothers a little bit, but more so uh, just uh, parents in general. I know it's Mother's Day, and uh, I have some things that we'll talk about, a little bit about mothers, but uh, you know, the, the ideal in Mother's Day, and then when we think about mothers, of course, we think about babies and different things, and uh, I had some things that I owe my mother, and uh, if you were raised uh, kind of in my generation, and maybe older or maybe a little younger, you may have heard some of these things, same things. Uh, things that I, owe oh, my mother, that my mother taught. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done with sayings like, if you're going to kill each other, go outside. I just cleaned the house. <laughs> my mother taught me religion with sayings like, you better pray that comes out of this carpet. <laughs> or about travel time. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. That's time travel before we even knew it existed. Things my mother taught me about logic. Why? Because I said so. More things about logic. If you fall out of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to get to go to the store with me. My mother taught me about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. (laughs) We have some nurses here. Do y'all check that right off the bat when somebody comes in or anything? (laughs) Because I've heard that. You don't check that first? (laughs) Good. Uh, My mother taught me about irony. Keep on crying and I'll give you something to cry about. Uh, My mother taught me about osmosis. Shut your mouth. And eat your supper. (laughs) My mother taught me about contortionism, you know, where you twist your body around. Would you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? (laughs) About stamina? Sit here till that spinach is gone. My mother taught me about weather. Looks like a tornado come through your room. My mother taught me about hypocrisy. If I told you once, I told you a million times, don't exaggerate. Taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, I can take you out. My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. (laughs) Taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world that don't have wonderful parents like you do. (laughs) My mother taught me about anticipation. You just wait till I get you home. (laughs) You don't have to wait till you get them home, by the way. Uh, My mother taught me about receiving. Oh, you're going to get it when we get home. (laughs) About medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes... They're going to get stuck that way. <laughs> that is that true, Colton? No. <laughs> so sh- somebody went, shh, don't tell that. <laughs> so you cross your eyes all you want. Uh, I'm skipping a few here. My mother taught me about humor. If you cut your toes off of that lawnmower, don't come running to me. <laughs> About coming an adult, if you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. Mother taught me about genetics. You're just like your father. And my mother did say that a lot, and I thought it was a compliment, but I don't think she meant it as a compliment, Daddy. (laughs) Uh, Taught me about our roots. Shut that door. Were you raised in a barn? Uh, And also about... Uh, wisdom when you get my age you will understand and my favorite taught me about justice Uh, one day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you (laughs) I don't know I have some that may have or may not have but anyway mothers teach us a lot of things and uh, we're going to talk more about that towards the end some more things that we uh we kind of recognize about, about mothers. And, and uh, one last thing before we move on to our message. Uh, both men and women have good qualities. Here's a list of the women's qualities. Women have strength that amaze men. They carry children. They carry hardships and burdens. They hold happiness, love, and joy. They smile when they want to scream. They sing when they want to cry. They cry when they're happy. They laugh when they're nervous. They add little touches that make a house a home. They're hockey moms. They're chauffeurs. They volunteer for good causes. They bring food to shut-ins. They, uh, they're child care worker, executives, attorneys, secretaries, homemakers, stay-at-home mom, biker babes, and sexy goddesses. They fight for what they believe in. They stand up for injustice. They uh, they go in front. Uh, they're in the front row at the PTA meetings. They vote for the person that to do the best job for family issues. They have a soft touch. They do without new shoes so the children may have them. They go to the doctor with a frightened friend they love unconditionally. Women are honest, loyal, and forgiving. They're smart, knowing knowledge is power. Now, these are women and men's attributes. These are still women. They uh, Women want to be the best for their family, for their friends, and for themselves. They can touch and cure ailments. They know how to hug and kiss a broken heart away. They make a romantic evening unforgettable. Women come in all sizes, all colors, all shapes. They can climb a tree, retrieve a, cl- a kite. The heart of a woman is what makes the world spin. They bring peace, joy, and love and hope. They give compassion and ideals. They give moral support. They to their families, to their friends, uh, and all they have. They want to get all they want back is a hug, a smile from you, uh, and for the same for you to come in contact with them. Men are good at lifting heavy stuff. <laughs> That's all my list said. <clears throat> I didn't make that list, but I think we, surely there's some others. So uh, the last thing, uh, mother uh, got a card from uh, uh, her 12-year-old son, Thane. Her name was uh, Elizabeth. He said, Mom, you must feel really proud to have produced such a good-looking, intelligent son when all you had to work with was Dad. So, <laughs> Dads, this ain't our day, but uh, Mothers, it is your day. But for us, Mothers and Dads, if you're over in Judges chapter 2, we're going to go down to verse 6. And uh, verse 6 uh, in Judges, the it's kind of jumping in the middle of a conversation. But what led me to think about this is, you don't have to turn, but over in Luke chapter 18... <laughs> Uh, Jesus is talking about end times on earth and as he's talking about end times on earth he, he asks a question and he makes some statements but I just want to deal with the very last part he, he says this when the son of man comes will he find faith on all of the earth and Jesus was talking about when, when he returns and he takes the church out the rapture of the church he asks that question to his disciples will I find faith in In all of the earth. So while I was thinking about that, I thought all the way back to Judges, because I believe if we say that, our first response would be, well, sure, he will. But over in Judges, and and this is the second chapter in chapter 6, we see that something has happened. Now, leading up to Judges... Uh, you remember the stories about the, the children of Israel and they're in captivity and their, Moses comes and they're taken out of exile and they're, end up finally in the promised land and they're in the promised land and, and if you remember all the things that happened, you know, they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, the, they went into the promised land where there was, there was huge camps of people, there were fortified cities, there were things all over the place and, and they were able to overcome all of those things because with God's help, they were able to do that. They they crossed another another river, and, and God said, take these stones out of this river and mark upon them. This is what God has done. So generations to come will remember all the things that God has done. And, and so all the way up to this point of Judges, God has delivered His people over and over and over. And, and the, the Israelites, the Jews, they're following God, and they understand these are all the things God has done for us. But something happens in Judges. At the first part of Judges, and like I say, we're just kind of going to jump in the middle of this. It's talking about Joshua. This is verse 6. And after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possessions of the land, each of his own inheritance. And the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. So get that picture Here's Joshua. The people have gone into the promised land flowing with milk and honey. They've served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. And, and the elders who outlived him, so Joshua dies. And the, those that, that outlived Joshua, the elders, they're still serving him. Those, all of those who had seen the great things the Lord had done for Israel, they're still living. And they're serving the Lord. And I want you to catch a key phrase in there. All of those who had seen the great things the Lord had done, they had experienced God's blessing. And, and folks, I believe today in America, we're, we're still receiving God's blessings. And those in this room, we still have God's blessings. We're a great nation. No matter what the news would have us believe or others would have us believe, we're a great nation. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the ser- this is verse 8, the servant of the Lord died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance. And after these whole generation had gathered, been gathered to their fathers, verse 10. So that means that whole generation, that group of people that lived even after Joshua died, those elders that remember all that God had done after Joshua died, after they had been gathered to their fathers, that means they had died. They've passed away. Another generation grew up, listen, who neither knew the Lord or what he had done for all of Israel. Then verse 11, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served Baal, which was a false god. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them up out of Egypt, and they followed and worshipped various gods of all the people around them. And they provoke the Lord unto his anger. Now this morning, what I want to think about, and this is not this is not going to be a, a negative message by any means. I don't mean for it to be, but but I want us to think about that statement and I want us to think about where we are today. And I want us to think about the blessings that we have in God, and I want to consider that question that Jesus asked, When he returns, will he find faith in all the earth? Because today we come to a special kind of day. It's a day to dedicate our, our children to the Lord. It's a great day because there's so many newborns and, and there's children moving around the day and you hear them and that, that's a great blessing for us. Amen. I think somebody told me, is Karen in here? She's in the nursery probably and they had 17 a couple of weeks ago. There's no way I'd work in that nursery. I'd, <laughs> there's no way I'd be back there with 17 children in there. And she aged when she come out of there. I mean, when she come out, she was just dragging. She said, "We had seventeen in there this morning." That's a great thing. That's just a great thing for this church, and and uh, and it's important for us as a church to recognize that we are a church. And and I always say this: we need to realize this building we're in is nothing but a building. It's, it's a building and it could just as easily be a hay barn. It's just a building. But folks, when we come into this building, we're the church. You and I, we're the church of God, and, and so we're the church, and, and when we have children in the church, they become our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ, and and we're raised together as a body of Christ, just like in a home. If you have siblings, brothers and sisters, and aunts and uncles, and, and they all take part in raising that child, and, and that's what we do as a church. So this morning, as we talk about these things, I want us to think first as mothers and fathers. Then I want us to think about the family of God the church of god now as we talk about this dedication i want to be sure that you hear this this dedication has no saving power in other words this is not something that brings salvation it's it's not a process that's necessary to go through to gain salvation it's not something that that we have to do or we require or god requires it it has none of those things Jesus said, "Let the little children come to me." That's that's what he said when he talked about children, and and he was blessing them and he was laying hands upon them. But but that wasn't their salvation. So so this morning, I don't want you to get the idea that hey, I'm bringing my child this morning and and uh, they're going to go through this some type of confirmation. They're going to be uh, saved when they come. That, that this has nothing to do with salvation. This is more of a dedication of parents and church than it is of children. In other words, it's just an opportunity for us to. To give our child back to God and say, God, I, I want to raise this child as you would have me raise this child. And and we as a church saying, hey, we want to be a part of raising that child. And, and it's more of a commitment for parents and for grandparents and for us gathered in this place and parents than it is for the child. So as we think about that, we're going to move rather quickly through this this morning. I don't have a lot of illustrations and a lot of things to cover because it's pretty self-explanatory. I want us to think about what took place in Judges. And I want us to think through it it from a point of we don't want that to happen in our church and we don't want to have this to happen in America we want we don't want this this type of thing to happen around us so the first thing the first thing I want to think about is this a generation that had forgotten what God had done for them there in verse 10 how did that happen At some point, we see a group of people that was with Joshua. They remembered all that God had done. Joshua died and this group lived on, this next generation lived on. And they remembered all that God had done. How did they do that? Evidently, there was someone in their past that said, hey, let us tell you what God has done in the past. And they began to teach those children. And those children began to grow. grow, And as they grew, they began to say, hey, we remember what God had done. But something failed in that plan. Because it says in the scripture, a generation grew up that knew not what God had done. So when we come to thinking about dedicating our children, parents, it's our responsibility. Church, it's our responsibility to tell our children what God has done for them. And when we do that, when they begin to learn about who God is, they begin to learn about Jesus Christ. Then we don't grow up a generation who knew not God and knew not what he had done. I'm amazed that I was at a church in Melissa and and we had a guy and he he came for a few weeks and we talked and visited and and over time they kind of quit coming and he he come back and he said oh we we're, we're not going to force anything on our children. Well we can't force anything on our children, but he said we we're going to let him grow up and make his own decisions about God and we've we're visiting every kind of church there is available. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be a Baptist or come up in a Baptist church. I'm not saying you have to come up in a Methodist church or a a Pentecostal church. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. The denomination doesn't matter. Religion doesn't matter. What matters is bringing up a child and teaching a child what God has done. The, the background of wherever that comes from doesn't matter. And, and when we have, a, we have a parent that actually says, hey, we would never tell our child. We just want him to hear and make these decisions and grow up on his own. To me, that's how this generation happened. These Israelites said, well, we're certainly not going to tell what God has done. What if we influence them? And, and folks, that's why God has blessed you with a child. As parents, it's our responsibility to, to grow up. Church, it's our responsibility to teach the scriptures. That's why it's important when we come to church, we take God's word and we take God's word and we teach from God's word. We don't need to, we don't need to give our opinions. We don't need to give our thoughts. We don't need to give our commentaries. We need to say, this is what God's word says. And that's how we need to raise up our children. Here's the second thing. A generation grew up in verse 12 that worshipped what everybody else did. Did you catch that as we read that verse 12? I want you to look at it. They forsook the Lord, God their fathers, who had brought them up out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods, listen, of the people who were around them. What does that mean? That means as this generation and judges grew up, they begin to say, well, look, everybody else is doing it. I mean, everybody else is doing this, so we might as well do what everybody else is doing. Hey, if everybody, what did Mama say? If everybody else jumps off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge? You know, did your mom ever say that? Well, you know, that, that's something we grew up understanding. And just because we look and say, and the children of Israel looked and said, hey, hey, everybody else is doing it, we need to, we need to do that also. It becomes our responsibility. Kids today can go after any kind of islam. I think kids today have a tough road. I think they have so many obstacles and so many people pulling their direction and so many cults and so many religions and so many different ideals that, that it's tough on them. So it becomes our responsibility to say, hey, this is what God has done and, and this is the one who truly deserves our worship. Because it's real easy to fall into the crowd and to look like a part of the crowd. The, the Bible says this over in Proverbs. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That that word training, that was a that was a word used back in that time and and the mothers would take a newborn and, and as they were teaching that newborn to to, to suckle, they would take a, a substance and they would put on their, their tongue in the roof of their mouth and, and and that would make that child try to get that off the roof of their mouth so they would they would start they're like getting peanut butter stuck on the roof of your mouth and you Start trying to get it loose, and, and, and through that process, they were training up that child. So, that's the ideal of that word. It's that we, as parents, were to take that, and, and it was to give that child a desire for more. Well, that's what we're to do. We're, we're to train up a child, and we're to give them that desire for more. For more of God's word and and not to say, Oh, I just I hate going to church, it's boring up there, that preacher's boring, the service is too long, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's all kinds of these excuses. No. We want to train up a child that they'll have a desire. To grow, I'm amazed. Tom Landry, he's still he's still my coach. I mean, I still like Tom Landry. And and uh, I was watching him one day on TV, and and uh, they had the Cowboys out there, and I don't know what receiver it was, but there was Tom Landry, and he looked like an old man to me. The older I get, to realize he, he wasn't as old as I thought he was, but but he had a receiver standing there beside him, some young fit athlete. And and here's Tom. Andrew, and they were showing him on news, and he was looking at the quarterback, and they snapped the ball, and he ran out and made a little move and turned and caught a pass, and then he walked over there, and he started teaching that guy, and he was pointing, and he he pointed out, and he pointed across, and, and I was so impressed with that, because I thought, here he is, he's the he's the head coach. And he's out with a receiver and he's, he's teaching that guy how to run routes and how, how to turn and how to cut and how to, how to catch passes and, and how much training was that? And, and, and you know what? That takes effort. He, he could have easily just, just stood over there like we saw him on the sidelines and, and, and just thought, you know, and, and maybe you didn't realize he was so involved in every aspect of the game. And, and parents, it's sometimes easy for us to do that because it takes effort. It takes time to train up a child. And and so easy for us to stand on the sidelines sometime and say, well, I, I wish our schools did better at this, and I, and I wish uh, the Sunday school did better at this, and I wish the church would do a little better at this. When, when we need to realize we need to be showing them how to run routes, we need to be out there and saying, here's some examples. And, and we need to live a life of examples. Because the Bible says, train up a child. Don't just allow someone else to do the training, but, but train up a child. It takes discipline to train up a child. Now, I may get on some toes this morning, so curl them up for just a moment. But we're going to go there anyway because I would hate not to say what's in God's Word. Amen? But the Bible talks about discipline in a child. The Duke of Windsor, he was asked what impressed him most about America. He replied, it's the way American parents obey their children. Here's an actual letter to dear Abby. My problem is my mother. She's too lenient. After she gets angry and punishes me, she often apologizes. Why should she when I had the punishment coming, mixed up in Cleveland? Here's Abby's reply, and I don't think much of dear Abby, but anyway, dear mixed up. Your mother, like many others, faces fears that, you won't, that you'll love her less because she's punished you, but she's wrong. No child has ever resented punishment he knew he had coming. Discipline is a proof of love. And children know this, and I wish parents did. Now, let me, let me give you that in a, in a real-life situation, and I've told you all about this before. When I was a youth minister at Fairview Baptist Church up between Plano and McKinney, I had a girl come to me one time. She was crying, and she was, I don't know, she was 14, 15, 16 years old, and, and I said, Amanda, what's wrong? And, and she said, well, I don't think my dad loves me. And I said, oh, you, you know, your dad loves you. What's, what happened? And, and this was her answer. She said, I can do anything I want to. She said, I, He can tell me to be home at midnight, I can come home at four. He can tell me, Don't do this, and I can do it, and he never gets on to me. Isn't that interesting that she equated his love with his lack of discipline? He, she said, if he really loved me, why would he let me do whatever I wanted to do? Now, I don't know if there's some other mixed up things there, emotions. I'm not a counselor, but, but it amazed me that she thought, my dad just don't care about me because he lets me do anything and everything. And he, she was in a two-parent home. But, but she, he said, she let, he lets me do anything I want to do. And that was that's a, such a, a, a concern of hers, and and we need to understand that the the Bible says is that that we're to discipline our children. That that's that's straight out of God's word. Listen to what Proverbs says: "Spare the rod and spoil the child." That's what that's what God's word. That's not me. That's what God's word says: "Spare the ch- rod and and spoil the child." Discipline can be positive. I mean, positive discipline, hey, that's a good job. That's a job well done. I mean, reward what you love about it. Here, here's something I found out at work. Recognize, reward what you want repeated. Do you hear that? Recognize and reward what you want repeated. That's good discipline. Hey, you've done a great job, and I'm proud of you, and, 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 and this is what you need, and, and I love that about you. And and we perceive some kind of, of, of other discipline as negative. Hebrews 12, To listen to this. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want you to hear that again. This is talking about discipline. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it provides or produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. You know as God's children, he disciplines us. I mean when we get off on the wrong road or we take the wrong path and there's there's some consequences for that, that that God said, hey, you need some discipline that you might get on the right path. He disciplines those he loves. That's a part of what we need to do. We need to bring up our children. We need to train our children and part of that is discipline. Here's the last thing. When we raise a generation like the generation we see here, They don't have a chance. Look at verse 15, and this is where we're going to close. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord fought against them. Can you believe that? (laughs) When Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord went against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them, and they were in great distress. See, when when we have a generation that grows up that knows not the Lord, they don't remember what God has done. They don't hear the blessings of God. They, they grow up not understanding what God is and who Jesus Christ is and what that means. Then all of a sudden, the Lord, through His discipline, through His direction, they, they begin to fail as a, as a generation, as a, as a society. Somewhere down the line, the parents neglected of, of teaching and training the, the importance of worshiping God. I had a man come one time, and, and you may say, well, I, I, I raised my children that way. They hadn't turned out exactly that way. And you're saying, train them up, and they'll return from it. And I had a, a man come in the church one time. This has been a few years ago. I'd love to tell you the whole story. I don't have time, but, but he said, you know, when I was a kid, my mom prayed for me. And he said, I drank, and I drank, and I drank. And he said, I would come home, and he said, I'd hear her in the house praying for me through the walls of the house. He said, I had a bottle of whiskey, I'd pour it on my head and scream at her and laugh. And when he came up here, he was in his later 80s, and he said, you know what? I never forgot my mom's prayers. This was 50, 60, 70 years later. He said, I never forgot them. And he said, you know, I, I, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I put down the bottle. He said, the doctor told me, you drank so much, you can't quit drinking, You'll have to wean yourself off or it'll kill you. He said, I told that doctor, I'm through. I'm not going to drink anymore. If it kills me, I'm dying. And he lived. And he said, I've accepted Christ and I want to be baptized. I baptized him right up there. The funny thing to me, maybe to no one else, is when he started under, he got scared and both feet come out of the water up there. <laughs> he tried to stop me from taking him under and he kicked his feet out and he went right straight up, up in there and, and we got him baptized. Amen. And he uh uh but what a testimony. His his mother and dad was long gone. And you know, he said, I wish I could I wish I could tell my mother, and I said, You'll be able to tell her. She'll know, she'll see you, you'll you'll be in heaven together with her. And how much comfort he found in that. But folks, the Bible says, train up a child in the way you go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Here's the great thing. This generation we see, God gave a chance over and over and over. We never come, just like Colton said, we never come to a point in our life when God says, okay, I'm through with you, I'm done with you but he opens the door of opportunity. If we failed in the past, if we've raised children in the past and we didn't take and turn out right or we failed in some way, you know what? We still got a chance. You still have an example. You still make an impression. It doesn't matter how old you are here today. If, you're, if your mom's still alive or if she's not still alive and, and maybe she's going on and you still make quotes she makes or you still think about things she's taught, you. you know what? She still has an impression on your life, doesn't she? And, and parents, we still have a chance to make an impression. Even if our kids are grown and gone, we can still make an impression on them by how we live and how we set that godly example. We need to know that God still gives us second chances no matter where we are. But why not start the way God would have us to start? Let's bow our heads together this morning. And Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, as we think about that generation that grew up, that they grew up not knowing you. They, they had forgotten, and, and somewhere down the line, parents and churches and families and siblings had, had missed that opportunity to share all the wonderful things that God has done. Lord, I pray today, as we think about this time of Mother's Day, we think about this time of dedicating our children, Lord, I pray that we would be a, a, a testimony for them, an example. I pray that we'd be training up a child, that we'd be out with them, showing them ways and showing them how to move and how to go and how to respond in situations, showing them that they can stand out from the crowd, that they don't have to be a a follower, but they can be leaders. and, And through being leaders, Lord, they can be the one that leads the crowds instead of falling in and following the crowds, Lord. I pray, Father, we'd be encouraged today knowing that if we follow your word in raising up, a child in the way they should go, that they'll not depart from it. But those words will ring true again in their minds over and over. I pray, Lord, that we'd be praying, church, that we'd be praying, parents, and wherever our children may be, age wise, we'd lift them up in prayer regularly. That that we would protect them, and Father, that Satan would be bound from them, Father. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you again for mothers and how special they are to us and the joy we find in them, Lord. I thank you for new chances no matter where we've gone, we've not fallen too far from you, that you can't say, all right, I'm going to give you a new start, a new chance. If you'll just confess to me and then if you'll turn and and repent, Lord, that you you give us a new chance. Lord, I pray that we would know that and we'd find hope and joy in that, Father. And Lord, today, as we have an opportunity just to to give these children back to you that you've blessed us with, if we have an opportunity as parents in the church to commit to raising up these children and the way that they should go, I pray that we'd see a bright future in East Delta and Cooper and Texas and even beyond because of the work done by these parents and the work done by churches that point up and raise up a child in the way that they should go. And I pray this now in the name of Jesus.